guys. Welcome back to the YBF podcast. I have a fun special guest today. Not just eye candy, but he's also, you know, an actor, a singer, all that jazz. And we're going to get to know him more. You probably already know him by face, but we're going to get to like really know him more. Please welcome our special guest, Mr. Rome Flynn. <laughs> it's like, do I clap for myself? I did it. I was like, I need a, I need a uh, back, so I put my own. You know. <laughs> All right. So, where are you right now? By the way, I'm in Los Angeles. Okay, LA craziness, right? Yeah. Um, and before we even start, I mean, like, obviously, it's a it's a lot going on. Like, honestly, it's like even just hard to. I don't know about you. But like hard to just get through the day, like regular. We're already homebound. We're already going through a pandemic. And then it's just a lot of unrest right now as well, socially. And we wanted to, you're kind of like the first person, I think. Yeah, you're the first person that we've interviewed that has been on the front lines and has kind of like joined the protest, done things with um, the social injustice that we're protesting against these days and every day um, right there in Los Angeles. Yes, there's riots. Yes, there's, you know, craziness, obviously. But there's also just people protesting and making their voices heard, and you are one of those people. So I want to hear from you what it was like going out there. You did post a picture from it, and Mm. I mean, you kind of posted it during the time where things were crazier than they are as of today. What was it like being out there? Uh, it was, uh, it was powerful, um, to see, uh, just all, all different types of people, you know, walks of life, um, different races, uh, supporting, you know, the black lives and, and trying to advocate the equality, you know, and, uh, there were different waves, you know, I I was there when it was, uh, it, it was relatively peaceful. I mean, it was peaceful, but. You know, what you notice is that there was a lot of people that were there specifically to incite the riots and right. and to kind of ignite this um, uh, battle between the police and, and, and the peaceful protesters, which we were, you know, which I was a part of and I was right there in front. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is that the, the police, um, you know, they, they, they didn't handle it correctly. Um, right. It, That's clear. You know, yeah, I mean, and that, and that has a lot. I mean, I got, I have really strong views on all of that because I've seen it up close. I've seen them use the. Well, what know. were they? What were they? Do, what were you all doing at that moment? Um, that that you felt like they got out of hand. Well, here's the thing. You know, we, they started where well, I was on Beverly and, and Fairfax, which is Third um, Street in Los Angeles. Um, okay. And we were about to start marching toward, you know, Beverly Hills. Okay. Now, uh, there's a lot of white people that live over there. Right, right. Uh, there's a lot of expensive stores that are over there. Right. And the police did not want us to march there. So right. basically what they did is they cornered us, they boxed us in. Um, and so they had, they had a line of police officers in front of us and then a line of police officers behind us um, for about a block or so. So they, they weren't letting us advance, uh, which, is, which is our right, is our amendment, you know, to be able to, to peacefully right. protest. Um, and they, they were trying to enable us doing that. And, and what happened is that, you know, I just noticed a few things. There were, there were some people that weren't there in, in support of Black Lives Matter. They were, they were just there to, to, to start, uh, to ignite this fire that, uh, this anger that people already had. Right. And, and, and if you know anything about human behavior, if you see one person do it, you know, the, the next person will do it. There's also and, that, and yep. That's what started to happen. And then there were some other things like, you know, the police officers planted a, a old police car in the middle of the street. It was just very odd. And you could tell that it, it was, you know, very deliberate. Um, it, it wasn't an accident, you know, and then the car started going on fire. Um, you know, people started, you know, um, breaking into, you know, breaking the police cars and putting them on fire. Uh, but what you notice is that there was a lot of white folks, a lot of white people that were doing this. Um, you know, they had skateboards, but the skateboards were brand new. Um, you know, so there, for what I gather, I felt like it was, um, some provocateurs, basically they're hired to incite the riots uh, and create a race divide. So, and um, even if not hired, still people that are 
that always planned to do this. Like this was their opportunity. They saw an opportunity and took it. That's how it feels to me. Yeah, I think it is partially that. And also I feel like, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy, uh, conspiracist. Like I, I, I like to see shit for what it is. Yeah. But it is very strange, you know, when you mm-hmm. when there's a peaceful protest and then suddenly the news is there ahead of the rioting happening. And then as they get there, the rioting starts and the looting starts. Um, and so, it, you know, it, it, there's something else that's going on here. Oh, yeah. Oh, aside yeah. From people protesting for Black Lives and George Floyd. Right. Um, but the police, like I said, uh, there's a lack of leadership um, with, uh, you know, the chief of police here. Michael Moore, I mean, I've, I've spoken out on that multiple times. Uh, I mean, as you can see during his press conference, uh, it was just very obvious that he, he was in over his head and, and ill-equipped and, you know, um, lack empathy and, and leadership to, to, to make sure the people of Los Angeles are safe. And right. so the police kind of been operating on their own merit and, and, and abusing their authority and their power against peaceful, peaceful protesters and, you know, shooting rubber bullets at them, tear gas. I mean, it was... I mean, you, you know, the thing is with the yeah. rubber bullets, they're supposed to be shot at the ground. And, you oh. know, yeah. I didn't know that. But there's metal inside of them, you know, so they're, they're supposed to be shot at the ground. It's supposed to ricochet to the ground onto, you know, because yeah. I mean, it's, a dead, it's deadly if it's yeah. point range. I've been seeing, see, we've been posting the pictures and videos of people showing their bullet holes. And it's like, that looks like a real bullet hole. That's yeah, crazy. yeah, definitely. If you get hit in the head with that, you can most definitely, you know, die, you know. Yeah. Uh, Wow. But it, it, was, it was crazy being out there and being uh, on the front lines and, and, and people being unified uh, for the most part uh, for one cause. And um, yeah, I hadn't seen to anything. To you, does it feel different? Because I know, I mean, I'm not 100% sure how old you are, but I mean, this has been going on, the protests and stuff for a minute. And every time, you know, from Trayvon to before Trayvon and after Trayvon, Michael Brown, all those different deaths that happened. But it seemed like with the George Floyd uh, murder, it was like, I have never seen this cross-section of people join in and this many people at one time. While that's a good thing, because we've been asking other people to be our allies and step in with us, it just seemed real interesting that it just came, it, it, it like came in deep very quickly this time. So I don't know. Did you feel, do you feel like something might change this time? I don't know. I think there, there's a, there's a, there's a different uh, aspect to this that, that I feel like wasn't a variable when, when, when everyone was marching for Trayvon Martin. Right. Um, this was a more visible uh, murder, you know, and, sure. and it was blatant. It was, I mean, the visual representation, um, it, it was, a. Uh, I mean, you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't have written this shit any better. Right. You, you can't make this shit up. You know, the fact that he, uh, he was kneeling down on his neck, you know, and so visible and just blatant disregard for, for his life. Right. And as it relates to, to the kneeling, you know, it just brought back to the cap kneeling and it was just so symbolic in a way you know, for, for this white man to be kneeling on the black man's neck yep. as if to say, you know, we don't give a fuck or we don't care. You know, yep. it just simply is that, is that you realize that there's no real tre- uh, check and balance right now. So, um, but, but, you know, I said another aspect is different about this. It's, it's a lot more visible. I mean, social media um, is, 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 is in demand. And it, the thing is about that is that it, things can spread, you know, mm-hmm. and then Will Smith said, he said, you know, what do you say about racism? You know, we just now seen it basically because everyone's right. reporting it. And, and with people on TikTok and people on social media, like, you know, Instagram. Um, Telling on themselves. And the millennials, I mean, I mean, millennials or young people are really getting behind it too. Yeah. And I think that was an aspect that wasn't a part of it before. Right. And it just shed the light on this kind of racist, mm-hmm. uh, authoritative system, policing system that, have been implemented for hundreds of years. I mean, right. the true essence of police, you know, people don't even know that there wasn't even a real uh, unified policing system until slaves were escaping and they created slave patrol, which is now called police. Police, right. You know, and, and so each place didn't even have its own governing, uh, right. its own policing system. Um, so if you, if, you, if, you, uh, if you recognize that that's the case and our policing system is built around racism, 
that system isn't built for us to, to be to succeed, you know? So what needs to happen is an overhaul, just, you know, need to tear down, dismantle the entire system. Yep. It starts from the people that are in charge. Um, and, and, and it's, uh, I mean, I don't know how you, how you fix a problem that systematically wasn't built to, to aid everybody. Right. But I mean, it's an uphill battle, but at the same time, we, we just, we try to get the, uh, we, we try to get the victories that we can. Mm-hmm. So what made you so like, like, first of all, how old are you? So I can know how to even reference this question. I'm 28. Yeah. So what made you so... I don't want to say passionate, but how are you so wise about what's going on right now? Like, I know you're from Chicago, right? Mm. Me too. Hey. And, you know, I've seen you post about your mom, your family, and growing up in Chicago, you probably see a lot of shit, learn a lot of shit that other people might not, you know, from a young age. Do you think that that had something to do with why you just get it? Uh. You know, my, my experience, I mean, I'm, I'm Cuban and, and black and, and, and Irish, so I'm a lot of different things, but my experience is, um, is growing up as a, as a black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my, my mother took care of me by herself. I, 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 you know, if you, if you look at my life and the trajectory of my life, there are so many others that are comparable, that are mm-hmm. very similar. You know what I mean? Growing up without a father, growing up, you know, poverty, not have, living without, um, and, and having to figure it out. But I think that it takes a, just a, cer- a certain level of awareness to understand that that it's not supposed to be like that. Right. Um, and I just think I've just become very conscious of it as I as I I've gone through life. You know, talking to my my mom and and just seeing everything that she went through, and also my my own experiences with the police, and you know just the racial tension that I've always felt. And mm-hmm. I, I never, I mean, I, it's not like I, I was, you know, very interested in any of this growing up because it was just normalized to me. Right. You know, it was normal for me to feel afraid being pulled over by the police, even though my license That's is so great. crazy. You know, um, even now, I mean, shit, I still get pulled over. And, and the thing I don't like is that people try to pivot my success against my, the reality, which is I'm black. You know, and, do cops ever say, I don't seen you before. I watch how to get away with murder. Are you on that show? Or are they like, black man, put your hands up? No, it's <laughs> never that. Really, it's it's always, I've, I've gotten pulled over and people think that because I'm successful or they think I have something that it it takes away from the fact that I'm black and, and it doesn't. I mean, right. I don't, no matter how much money you have, whatever your status is, still black. you're still black, you know, and 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 that's my experience. Mm-hmm. And, and when I've gotten pulled over, it used to be for other reasons, but now it's me being pulled over because they want to make sure it's my car. Yep. Um, you know, they, they want to know what I do. You know, is this mm-hmm. a rental? Is this, you know, and, and that's my experience. And, and, and what, I, what I realize is that Black people have had to adapt to, to these police tactics. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's not okay. You know, I had someone tell me that what we need to do is to understand how to deal with the police. Right. We're being pulled over. And I said, no, that's not how this works. Police right. are servants. Police are supposed to tech, protect and serve the citizens. I mean, and we are a part of that. I mean, we weren't supposed to be a part of that right. when the declaration. Well, we was, are. <laughs> but we are, you know, so. And what I don't like is people kind of succumbing to this idea that we need to adapt and change our, our ways um, because police are scared. Right. <laughs> Frankly, the, their the, they're afraid of of. They're afraid of black men, and it's it's the uh, you know it's the hundreds of years of uh, of slavery and 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 you know that's a subconscious thing that I feel like that they deal with and they just don't have a lot of knowledge on black people in general. Um, so I'm 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 totally against needing to change my behavior or needing to adapt the way that I I am to make a police officer feel safe. Yep. But, you know, I rather, you know, I, I, I think that we deserve to be ourselves, you know. And you shouldn't have to adapt to anything. Um, and last question about this before we get on to like more fun things. But <laughs> did you are you like a sports fan? Yeah. Did you see what? I'm also from Louisiana. I'm also from New Orleans. I always say I'm from both because I am born in Chicago and raised and then 
partly raised in New Orleans as well until I was 18. So I feel some kind of way about Drew Brees and what he said recently, um, even with his apology, whatever. Um, I don't know how much you know about New Orleans, but that coming from a leader in New Orleans felt real, very much like a slap in the face. Um, and, you know, by the time we run this, people will know, be well aware exactly what Drew Brees said, but it felt very dismissive, his initial comments yeah. about what Colin Kaepernick was doing as, as it relates to what's going on right now. He still thinks it's about the damn flag. So what did you feel when that happened? Well, you know, initially what I, what I recognized is that the question had nothing to do with the flag. It, right. they asked, he asked him about what he thought the protesting was on George Floyd's death and he never even mentioned him. All he mentioned was if he said that he would never be okay with someone disrespecting the flag. And that, and that, and that is the, the sole reason why it's been such an uphill battle is because we have people uh, who are figures in the communities where they are and people who are someone like Drew Brees, who is the all time passing leader in the NFL. I mean, he is a leader where he is and he's coming out basically saying that he doesn't understand the black man's plight or understand where people are coming from and wanting to get, you know, equality. Um, I think that he should, shouldn't talk if, he, if he's not educated on a situation. And, and that's the issue that, that, that happens is that we, these celebrities and these athletes that are not educated on, on certain situations right. get asked these questions and they don't know how to maneuver them. So then they, they just go back to what they know and I'm sure he's probably gave that answer a hundred times as it relates. It felt to- very rehearsed, right? Yeah, I mean, it was an easy answer for him to make because he's been saying this for so long. But this is not the same situation, right? And you know, it, it was a slap in the face. Uh, all his teammates who are predominantly black. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. Louisiana is predominantly black. You know what I mean? Culturally, I mean, it's just, it was just very insensitive, and and he he, he looked uneducated, sounded uneducated, and he should be embarrassed. Honestly, and um, especially when you when you're a person like him that grew up playing football, um, I'm sure around a lot of other black people, exactly, and, a lot of and not and and just to be so to have such a lack of awareness to to understand where people are coming from, um, you just kind of question if it's negligence or 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 he just doesn't give a fuck. Either way, you know, your words matter, especially if you're somebody of uh, that's a person of interest. Right. And your life is under a magnifying glass. Um, your, your weight, your, the words that you say carry weight because what happens is that the people that don't understand this pers- this perspective that people that black people are going through, they're going to reference him and go, "No, no, see that because Dubree right. said that, mm-hmm. you know." And and then so that gives them a scapegoat and gives them an opportunity to to feed their own narrative uh, that they're already trying to perpetuate. So um, you know that was. It was a moment that I feel like won't pass, and and I think he should he should just retire. Oh, retire! Damn. I mean, this is his last year. (laughs) Last year, anyway. I mean, I mean, I just feel like listen. It's from a football standpoint. I'm sure he can still play. Yeah. But who are you playing for? Right. Fans are black. Most of them. Anyway, you know the people are going to spend money. And in, even when his apology, here's the thing, I, I can't accept an apology from someone that's not given the same energy. And that's right. in space, you know. If, if I come out and say something on video and then my next response is through a, a, a message that's, mess, that's typed out or text out, it's, it's not the same energy. We need to right. visually see it. And then at the same time, he still doubled down on what he said, you know, and he just said he was with his, his teammates, but he also mentioned the fact that his, his grandfather fought in the world war, which, which one of those world wars. Um, and it's, in, it's interesting to, to, for him to say that as if black people didn't fight on the front they lines of world, right. world war one, fighting for a freedom that they weren't able to enjoy when they came back home, exactly. you know, and, and they were given this opportunity to fight and said, when they got back home, they would be freed and they were enslaved again. So I think he just needs to be educated and talk yes. to somebody that's older than him. Um, and, and, at least talk to somebody that you respect that's black and ask them about their experience. So, um, hopefully yeah, Malcolm Jenkins, because Malcolm had all the smoke, honey, all of it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as, he should, as he should. Um, so do you have? I mean, this is like a lot to <laughs> to take in. Um, and we're still kind of in quarantine, kind of. Like, do you have? What's your like relaxed situation? 
to deal with this and be in quarantine? Like, do you have a little boo there that's helping you relax or are you solo dolo relaxing? I don't see nobody. Don't do that because we don't know where homegirl could be. They hide, they real quiet. No, I just, I just chill. You know, I, I, um, I like to stay up to date on stuff. You know, uh, stay educated on, on everything that's happening. Right. I, I, I try not to hide from it or, or try to distract myself from what's going on, um, because I feel like I have an opportunity to educate people and people pay attention to what I say. Definitely, yeah. And, and I don't want to do them a disservice or me. So when I'm when I'm not when I'm not outside and being a part of what's going on, I, I still pay attention to what's happening. Right. And uh, but but the times that I'm by myself and just chilling, I'm normally just playing guitar or playing piano, something that is um, that I don't have to think too much about. Yeah. So you play guitar and piano and you sing. Have you always done that? Uh, I've only been playing piano for for a couple of months, but. Oh. Um, I've been playing guitar for, for a long time before I was at okay. and I did it. All right. So your new single, K-M-I-M, mm. Keep Me In Mind. Okay. So I watched the video for the first time the other day, right? And I was like, well, who, who came up with this concept? Because it feels very like maybe you came up with it because maybe you had this experience before. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it felt very like I'm on the sidelines Maybe not friend zone, but I'm on the sidelines waiting until he f's up. Is that what it basically is? Uh, you know, I I feel like I I let people just you know decipher what they want, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's not that I'm on the outside looking in. I, it, it's just that specific energy. Um, I don't know if you've ever been a part of that kind of situation where you know someone and you know each other, but there's circumstances that's not allowing y'all to oh, yes. be great, you know, and allowing y'all to see what it would be. And I think that my message behind this, a lot of people think I'm, I'm trying to advocate people cheating on who they with. <laughs> that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm about. Yeah. Um, I think people should do what the hell they want to do. But yeah. I think that my position was just simply like, a lot of times we get, we get trapped in our, in our own circumstance. We get, we get caught up in, and the familiarity of the people that we with. And then so it's what happens, and, and so what happens is that we have these this intuition about what's happening and we go away from it because um and this is relates to everything, relates to success, to relationships, whatever. What happens is that people have an issue with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and the only way that you progress in any stage of your life, there has to be a certain level of uncom- uncomfortability. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in relationships is that people are afraid of, of change. You know, you get caught in a cycle and, and what happens is you start to compromise internally. And it's okay to compromise with the partner that you're with uh, verbally out in the open. When you start compromising things inside, I, I, I feel like that that can only be a recipe to, to, to damage your, your individuality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, that was just kind of like my message to you know keep me in mind, uh, just a little reminder. You, mm-hmm. me, you know, that's it. A little reminder. Y'all <laughs> just have to go watch this video if you haven't yet, because you'll see why I'm saying this. That was more <laughs> than a reminder, but okay. So have you ever, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Yes, I've been in that situation before where it was the right person at the wrong time, um, which could mean some people would say that means that's the wrong person. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know. But have you ever been directly in that situation where you literally were like man if it was just I don't know last year or maybe if we could wait two more years like have you ever just been enamored with someone and just waited not necessarily stayed single waiting on them but just waited until that opportunity came uh no I can't say that I ever did that what I do say that I that that has happened to me I felt like I met people too early in my life. Oh um, yeah. I think people have, you know, intercepted me at points in my life where I wasn't ready to accept who they were and the kind of person that they are. As of, you know, as I am now, I think that I would have been like, wow, like th- this would be perfect if, if this was now, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, that that's the only thing I can relate to that typically, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And in the video, I'm partial to um, not just male singers, but black artists when they use certain types of people in their video. So mm-hmm. I pay attention to every little thing when it comes to that because visuals and inclusivity is super big to me. And people don't realize that even music videos play, play something in our, you know, in our minds and our psyche, especially for younger people. When I was little, I would, used to look up to the video girls. Like, I mean, you know, it, it really does kind of mess with you, but it could be a good thing if we put the right people in place. So was it intentional that you used a brown skin, gorgeous girl as your lead love? Most definitely. Mm. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, no, that wasn't an accident. And, and, and also, you're right. I think that um, if you go back and look at videos from the 90s, like the, I, the, the perception of beauty as far as women was very different than it is now. Yes. yes. What that did was um, it, it, it put less pressure on people to, to change their bodies. Mm-hmm. And if you go further down the line, you know, in the, t- the 2000s, we noticed that there's a lot of different body types, but mm-hmm. only really one displayed or one or two types displayed. And, and as I've noticed, you know, there's, there's, not, there's not a lot of melanin in these videos nowadays um, because of the, the artists are, are following the trend. Mm-hmm. You know? And they see um, lighter skinned women in the videos as, as the lead um, and have, you know, the darker skinned woman as the counterpart or the friend. Right, um, if at all. If at all. So my, my position was just like, I wanted to make sure I put someone in the video that was naturally beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted her to, to feel as home as girl next door as she could. Right. To, to reflect um, this other image of, of beauty and attractiveness. I feel like it's been kind of underrepresented um, because in, in actuality, there's not a lot of people who look like most of the girls that are in these videos. And right. that is, they don't look like them. They don't look like them. And they've been, they've, you know, and I think that women should do it, whatever it is they want to do to feel beautiful. But I think that the root of that is the simple fact that the representation, it, right. it's, it's uh, whether or not you, you physically acknowledge the fact that this affects you when you watch, you know, as far as being a woman and you watch these videos and, and, and on top of the fact that women being objectified and not really given the power in these videos, um, and there's a lot of women in it, and, and you, you already know kind of the message behind the video. Right. Subconsciously, what it does, it, it, when you go and look in the mirror, it, it, it reminds you that you're not those women. And, right. and the people that you idolize in those videos, the artists are, uh, you know, they love these girls in the video. So then you look at yourself yeah. and you go, well, that's not me. So then my favorite artist wouldn't like me. So then I need to change how I look because this video has millions of views on it and people love this artist. So if I look like this, then maybe people will love me the same. So then it, it creates this false uh, representation of yourself. And so even my little smart part of that, I mean, a lot of people notice that and, 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 and that's the issue that I wanted to bring attention to because Perfect. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be. A, it shouldn't even be a story. Right. You know that I that I put this beautiful black girl in my video. It right. should be normalized. But the fact that I've gotten this question multiple times, not just with you. Yeah. About this being a situation, it just it's just one of those things where it, it just played right into the narrative that I that that I wanted to get across, which right. is, you know, this shouldn't be a story. That's you good. Know, like gotta, I love yeah, it. I love it's, it's good. But overall, you know, my 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 position on it overall, I just feel like I'm glad you asked because I'm glad when people do ask because then I can say that and then I can I can kind of normalize it, it. think about it and be like, oh, I guess I agree with that. Yeah. You know? And yeah, that's that's kind of my position anyway. I want to give more representation and visibility to people that, that don't it. It. Love it. Um, and it's very sexy, y'all. Go ahead and get it. You know what it reminded me of? I'm going to tell you this. It reminded me of uh, you... Sorry, your character Gabriel on How to Get Away with Murder and Michaela. Like it felt very similar. She kind of looks like Aja Naomi King and you, obviously you. Like it just felt like, wow, this is like happening in real life, but not really real life. That was really cute. Just FYI. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. Um, okay, so speaking of How to Get Away with Murder, it's over, it's done. 
it's final, it's, it's out of here. Mm-hmm. People are sad about it, but it was an amazing series. How did you feel being in, I mean, you were in the last few seasons. Um, what was that like? And uh, working with Viola. It was incredible, honestly. Um, definitely a milestone in my career that I can look back on and say I, I was a part of. And, and yeah, I got to work with Viola, but you know, I got to, I got to work with Cicely Tyson. I, I got to work right. with Lynn Herman. Um, I got to work with uh, Billy Brown, who, who plays Nate. But a lot of people don't know Billy, you know, this dude is in like hundreds of films and movies and yeah. so many different things and to be around them. And I think that the one thing that I got from working there is the conversations in between scenes, man. And, Cause we spend a lot of time together. I mean, when you yeah. shoot a show, you spend more time with them than you do with, with your own family, you yeah. know, especially the crew and, and uh, the other actors that, that you're there with. Uh, but, but really it's the in-between the conversations that I would just sit back and listen to them have and be a part of mostly if I could, but most of the time I just wanted to learn and, yeah. and, and see the way that they saw the world, you know, because they, they come from a different, um, a different perspective especially, you know, me growing up, uh, I think she grew up, I can't remember where she grew up. I don't know if it was New Orleans, but it was, it was, uh, but she, she went to Juilliard and she, she, she told right. me a lot of stuff about her life. And it, it just, it just gives you, it's just thought provoking and, and it helps you reflect more on your own situation. And being around her, I realized like, you know, I was real nervous to work with her because I wasn't, I, I had never worked with, with someone that I had, had this much respect for. Yeah. That, that I, you know, I grew up watching her stuff and, and, and just, you know, she was just kind of like the catalyst of black excellence to me. Right. And there wasn't a lot of representation like Viola on screen. Right. Um, in her position. She's taking her wigs off and showing natural hair and everything. Yeah. She normalized a lot of, a lot of kind of issues that were considered taboo. Like, you know, a, a lot of, people had never seen a person take their wig off crazy enough, <laughs> you know, or even knew how that worked. So I think she, she brought so much representation and, and, and perspective for, for people to, uh, and, and this is the importance of these kind of shows is that it gives the, the, the viewers the opportunity to, to experience a, a, a perspective that they would never be able to. Right. You know, unless they watch this show. I mean, there's a lot of white people who don't know any, any black people at all, but they love the show. Right. You know what I mean? So, so then it starts to normalize it. And over time, I feel like that kind of changes the, the thought pattern when people interact with, with black people that they never interacted with, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot with her that way. And also, you know, just acting with her, being on screen with her was a, was a gift. Crazy. What, um, was this like your first major... Was that your first major like role? Uh, I mean, I think that it, it was it was it, it wasn't my first major role because I, I came from soaps. I did I did a soap for two and a half years. Which Wait, which soap? How did I not know this? Yeah. So what soap? Were, no. Yeah. So you no. Because I love soaps. Which one? Hold on. Now I gotta go grab this because you gotta see this. <laughs> it better not be one I watched because I would have I would have remembered you. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. So what you got the Emmy for? Yes. <laughs> Emmy Award winning actor, Rome Flint. Black excellence, you know, Latin excellence right there. Uh, for Bold and the Beautiful. That's right. I don't know why I was sitting here thinking that this was for something totally different. But yes, you're right. You know what's funny? I was just talking to my friend the other day about soaps because I'm obsessed with soaps. I know it's crazy. <laughs> I just am but Young and the Restless mainly now. Um, and I used to watch Bold and the Beautiful only because Usher was on it for like eight episodes. And I was like obsessed with him when I was little. So that's why I watched it. So yeah. That's funny. A lot of people, you know, the soap world is different. And that's why I say it's not, I mean, it's not the biggest show. I mean, it's the people, as far as in terms of work. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm talking about uh, How to Get Away. But oh, yeah. Bold and Beautiful is the most watched show in the world internationally. Yeah. And so I, I really cultivated my my ability to, to interact with fans and talk to people from different countries. I mean, I had a lot of had to do a lot of press stuff from, you know, different countries in the world. And, and, it, and it really helped me understand the totality of right. 
television and the outreach that it could have, um, which really kept me grounded in going to do other roles that I've done. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a great experience. I was there for two and a half years. Nice. All right. All right. So what was, was winning an Emmy like your goal growing up? Like was all of this career your goal? Acting, singing, doing it all? No, no, no. What was it? What'd you want to do? Uh, you know, I, I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to oh, go, okay. you know, which is what I was doing. And I was figuring that out. I had no dreams or aspirations of being an actor or doing music or, or doing anything like that. Um, but just some, it's, it's just funny somehow that you end up aligned with your purpose, even when you, you're not trying to. Right. And I think I couldn't have, I, I wouldn't have been able to be successful in anything else besides this, because I know every time I tried other things, it just always kind of turned me this direction. Um, but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to go to college. I mean, the only, my thing is that where I'm from, it wasn't like a lot of options for people to be successful. I didn't have a business that was waiting for me to passed down to me. I didn't have, right. you know, some sort of heritage that was giving me the fortitude to be successful when I was old enough. The only way you really could get out of the hood or, or try to be successful for your family is go to college, play sport, or, or you rapping or doing something like that. And so for me, I was figuring like basketball could be a way for me to go to college, right. even though I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't know if I would be, you know, be able to be successful. I just thought that it would be some step toward some idea of that. Right. It'll get you somewhere. Right. Um, and so growing up in Chicago, you said that you were raised by a single mother, but you do have siblings, like a yep. lot of siblings, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what do you feel when it comes to fatherhood? Um, Father's Day is coming up and all that. And so it kind of gets people thinking like, if I wasn't brought up with a father, you know, how would I want to, what would I want to be? Who would I want to be as a dad? Have you ever heard, like just stopped and kind of thought about that? I know that you're still kind of young, but I mean, I was definitely, I don't know about men, but women be thinking about this from the time they're teenagers about mm -hmm. like how they want to form their family and what they want to do differently than how they grew up. Do you ever think about stuff like that? Um, no, no, I think men, Typically, we, we lack we lack the depth growing up to to think that far ahead, and that's why little girls plan out their wedding and they and they, they write out what color their wedding is and their wedding dress and and guys just are y'all in just you know basically, um, but no, I mean to to I, I, what you learn is to what not to do, you know, um, based on on my experience, you know, being a dad, it, it's just a it's not really a choice. And, and, and so when you grow up, you realize that um, it, it becomes easier to you uh, on what you shouldn't and shouldn't do as it relates to being a dad. And, and so for me, I, I like, I love my dad. I talk to him every other day. And what happens is like, yeah, I'm talking, I mean, I, I love him, you know, he's good, but life get, gets in the way. And when you get older, you recognize that, that that's the case. Mm -hmm. And, and that there were, there were variables that were in play that were working against him also culturally. You know what I mean? Growing up, it wasn't, uh, it's not like, especially in, 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 in poverty neighborhoods, it, it's really hard for, for men to, to play it straight. And I think that it, mm -hmm. it, it's just like an ongoing cycle, you know, and you just have to decide for yourself if you want to break that and be different. And I think, I, you know, I recognize that early on for myself. Mm. That's interesting. All right. All right. So you have so much love for your mom. You post her all the time. And it's so cute. What? And then my assistant was like pulling pictures and she's obsessed with chicken. She was like, what? His mama made some bomb ass fried chicken. Ask him what his favorite meal is from his mama. So what is it? Uh, it's hard to say. Probably, red beans, course, probably red beans and rice. Um, my mom makes... She'll tell you, she thinks it's pepper steak. I don't eat that no more, but she, every time I go visit, she's like, I made you this. I'm like, Ma, I don't really eat that no more. You feel me? Like, but, you know, growing up, I, I mean, I've been eating the food that my mom now, like, serves to everybody else for, for years. And, you know, I brought her out to L.A., took her to set with me, 
And, you know, she met, met the cast and she wanted to cook for everybody. And I said, mom, you know, don't go too crazy. Like, just cook like a small portion, you know? And she was like, all right. And she woke up like it was Thanksgiving or Christmas. And if you know anything about black moms on those yeah. days, they get up at five in the morning and start cooking. She cooked all day for the cast. She cast cooked a whole bunch of shit. And I said, mom, really? Like, why are you cooking all this? Like, now we got to bring all this stuff in there. And she, she didn't know, she don't know how to cook in moderation. She only know how to cook for armies and shit, I guess. That's so cute that she cooked for the cast though. I love that. Um, and are you like close to like your brothers and sisters and stuff or just brothers? I don't know. Yeah, I got, I got sisters too. Uh, close to all of them. Um, they, my, my place in LA is like a revolving door. Like yeah. they just come in and out. I got one of them here right now. Um, and then they, he leaves and then somebody else comes yeah. and they just, they just, it's just like, I don't even know who's going to be here next week, you know? All right, y'all. So he's woke. He's cute. Oh. He's talented. He's a family man. Look, I'm trying to get you like, I'm trying to get you chose out here. Where? Put me on then. What's up? You, you checking all the boxes out here. <laughs> I don't know if you're really looking. I don't know. We have to, we have to evaluate that. But this is going to be the number one question I get. So he got a girl for you? Nah. I don't have time. No. Nah. Nah. Okay, he's single, girl. He's single. <sighs> I can't. Okay, so TikTok, are you doing? I saw a TikTok video of you and your brother, right? Mm -hmm. Are you like obsessed with it? Because we are. <laughs> so no, but look, I didn't want to make this damn TikTok, and my brother was like, "Bro, Why does everybody hate on TikTok." It's look, it's it's. I'm telling you, TikTok guys, it has its own environment, its own life. Yeah. When I go on there, I don't recognize people. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's so different, but I respect it and I think it's dope. But I have a TikTok because I like interacting with people on there. Yeah. Um, but he's like, bro, we got to make this TikTok. I'm like, man. And I've been putting it off for days. And he was like, man, let's do it. So we just started doing it. And I said, all right, cool. We did the TikTok. And I posted it. I mean, I didn't think it was going to go crazy like it did, but it just went like yes. viral on Twitter and shit. And, uh, and everyone's like, it's so another TikTok, and I'm like, see, this is why I want to do it. See, I don't know, I don't know how to keep doing this. I can't keep this up. It's a lot of work. Like, it's it's a lot, um, but it's fine, and I think you should do it. I keep telling everybody I interview, like, why don't you get on TikTok? Because it's just extra stuff for us fans to see. You know, you flex your creativity. Yeah, it's um, another important part of the world that you get to see people, and I think that people who aren't on on TikTok are, you know, they're not they're not realizing how many people are on there. I think oh there's more people on TikTok than there is on Instagram or something. Yeah. It's, it's so many people. So, yeah, I mean, you're really missing a good portion of people in there and how they see the world. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what's next? I mean, you have your single out, KMIM, and what is next with singing and film and movie and TV-wise? Uh, it's, it's hard to say, you know, with the industry kind of, on hold right now as far as acting stuff. I do have a film I'm supposed to be doing in September, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see when, when everything... Is everything still kind of, like, are there any directives? Like, have they given you all any updates? Yeah, I, I think what was, it's starting to, to come back. Um, what's happening is there's not really any auditions are in person, but like you got to tape, and that's a whole process. Yeah. And once we do get, I think right now, uh, SAG is only allowing people, SAG is a union, only allowing people to to have like 10 people on set. Right. Um, there's no like kissing scenes or touching scenes. And it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a very manipulated kind of yeah. uh, system to be in if you want to work creatively. I, I don't see how that couldn't work, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think within the next two months, SAG will put out better guidelines. And I think it's just going to be odd for a while. People are going to be wearing masks, you know, uh, wait not, on screen nah probably just behind the camera yeah um i saw that tyler perry and you were also in a tyler perry movie um yeah. medea's funeral yeah medea's funeral right. um i saw that he is basically having his cast come to his compound and just live there for two weeks and he's testing people as they come in and you have to just live there for two weeks and shoot so he's still getting his content and his shows done when you you know listen when you Tyler Perry and you, you have that op you have the opportunity and you have the resources that he does and uh, he he's a businessman you know yeah. and he's one of the best and yeah. and he he knows what he only takes 
a short amount of time to, to film the stuff. Anyway, you know, we filmed our movie in like a week, which is insane. That so, is really crazy. Yeah, we filmed it in a week. I mean, we did press stuff. I did press photos, all of that within that week or so. Uh, yeah, we did, we did everything in Atlanta and it was done. So I know how fast he works and, and he has so much content. He has so many shows he has to film. I understand right. why he needed to formulate his own way. Right. All right. All right. And um, also a fitness guru, it seems like you've been posting thirst traps. Yes, they're thirst traps That's all over Instagram. I don't like thirst traps. They're not. No. What are, are you teaching us something? Are you teaching us how to lift weights? Are you teaching us aerobics? What are, what are you teaching us? I'm showing y'all work ethic. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, y'all better go look at this man Instagram, okay? Um, so yes, fitness guru, woke, actor, he's doing it all. I love it. Congrats to you. <laughs> um, and you know, he's trying to get shows out here, ladies. So do what you gotta do. Slide in the DMs. Oh my god, do you get what do your DMs look like? I can only imagine. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. It's cool. It's a surprise every day if I go look. You would know. you actually speak to somebody? I would never. I would never speak to somebody that sent me anything in a DM, even on, like, about that. Like, are you kidding? But men seem to love that mess. Would you actually speak to somebody off of that? I mean, I have. I have. Are you serious? Yeah, but you know, that, listen, this is a new age, you know, social media. It's really yeah. hard to meet people, especially if you're somebody like me, you know, yeah. I, I, my, my interactions are very limited with people in the world. You know what I mean? And so I, I don't work a, a normal, I guess, a normal job as compared to a person who lives wherever they live. But for me, I only see people I'm working with or, you know, I see fans a lot. So yeah, I can't really, it's hard for me to just meet someone genuinely anyway. Right. And if, even if I do meet them genuinely, there's still, there's still this preconceived, um, idea of who they think I am if they know who I am who I am already right. so I'm already working working against this uh, perception that they have of me you know so it, it's it's really hard to meet somebody for the first time you know I mean I meet people but then they're like oh I know you from that and then you don't really know what the grounds or the agenda is so they think you're a character they don't think that you're you it's hard to differentiate the two sometimes from people yeah. um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, a, lot, a lot of celebrities use that, though. A lot of celebrities use social media, Instagram to, to interact with other people that they want to get in touch with, you know? A lot Are you of, Raya or Raya, whatever it's called? Who? What's that? It's like a uh, app? Yeah, it's like Celeb Tinder, basically. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I don't know anybody that uses it, but I, I know one person. But, like, based on who he is, I'm like, I understand why you're using it. <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying? Uh, no, I think it, it's, it's people are just so wrapped up in their lives, you know, and it's and we're trying to figure out how we can be successful and be great. Yeah. And really, the only opportunity you have is to slide in somebody DM. And if y'all both kind of in the same field or know the same people, like that's kind of how you meet people. Right. In my world a little bit. But they slide in the DM. I check sometimes. You know, I'm looking. I'll be looking when I'm bored. Listen, there y'all go. Sliding into DMs works for Rome Flynn. I'm shocked and surprised. But no, listen, I said I go look. I go look sometimes, but you know it's crazy. I get a lot of people, I get I get moms in my DM. Of DM course. Asking me to date their daughters. And then oh. they, yeah, and then their daughters don't even be knowing about it. You know, they'll be like, please just message my daughter. She just graduated from this. And they give me all the rundown of who they are. And and sometimes I go look and I'm like, like this girl has a boyfriend already, you know, or <laughs> no idea who I, they don't even have no idea who I am. I just feel like you'd be great for my daughter. And wow. And our best friends, they'll be like, you know, there's friends of friends who'll be like, yeah, you should reach out to my friend. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's the culture that we in, you know, girls sliding, they say they shooting, they shot. I don't think shooting your shot is just saying shooting your shot. I think you actually got to shoot your shot. Okay. But, Let's discuss that because men keep saying that. Like, I'm not going to lie. I am guilty of people being like, you know, girls think shooting a shot is just shooting a smile. It's not. I mean, it is. So what does it mean to you? What, is, what does somebody have to do to shoot their shot? Um, what I'm meaning is by that is that some people think shooting a shot is saying that they're shooting their shot. 
like if for instance, like people will slide in and be like, this is me shooting my shot. And I'm like, does it count as a shot if you're telling me that that's what you're doing? Yeah. I don't think so. I think you got to come with some sort of energy, whatever that energy is for you. You know, maybe some, a lot of people come in with this, you know, um, like the sexual energy boom, like I want that, yada, yada, which is cool. And some people come like, I want to get to know you. It just depends, but just have a, have a, have a reason, have a, have a, have a definitive way, you know, that you want to go about it instead of just saying, I'm shooting my shot. It's like, I, I don't know. What's that? What does that mean? What's up? You know, talk to me. You feel me? Oh, it's weird. This is why I don't like Bumble because the girl, the woman has to say it first. And I, I think it's weird. Really? I, I never use that app. No. Yeah, women have to. So you might like that because women have to approach you first. Like men cannot <laughs> speak to women first on that app. That's different. That's different. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. I'm not here for it. Um, <laughs> but the last question is, based off of what the theme of your of your single is, who's who are you willing to sit on the sidelines and wait for? Hmm. Who's like your just dog? When that opportunity hit, that's gonna be it. You know, I don't think I don't think there's anybody. I'm gonna be honest oh with you. There is somebody. There's not, there's not, there's not anyone. I tend to stay away from this because people are like who, who your celebrity crush is and this kind of thing. And it's like be a celeb. I know, I know, but like there ain't nobody that that I'm waiting on. Like I, I just feel like I've had my opportunity to talk to the people that I felt that way about already. Oh my bad. Okay. Yeah, no, I, it either right. it just didn't work out or it wasn't the right situation. So, okay. all right. All right. We know now he's already shot his shot. He already tried it. I so. shot my shot. I, I shot my shot one time and I'll never shoot my shot like that. I ain't gonna lie. But my shot pretty wet. Like, I got a good form. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I shot my shot one time, man. Listen. And was, DMs are like in person. It was. It was DM though, but it wasn't DM that I that I initiated, so it was different. You know what I mean? And, and all right, all yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I shot, I shot it, and I was like, boom! It hit the backboard, bricked. Oh, okay, bet. I said, okay, for sure. Well, shit, you know. Oh, they had to be taken then, because ain't no way somebody just said, "Never mind, no, thank you." You know, I don't know. I, I think she was somebody now. There we go. It ain't gonna last though. I'm waiting. I got it. No, I ain't waiting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's what it is. All right. So he's not waiting on nobody. The coast is clear, y'all. Go ahead and shoot your shot. There it is. You're welcome. What's the worst thing that happen? You either gonna miss or you're gonna make it. There's 50% chance you might make it. This is a little different for women. Like it don't like not making it literally is like would like ruin you. <laughs> It, it will ruin our confidence and ruin us. We're good on that. This is why I don't like to speak first. I don't think it's, I don't think women should. Y'all got to, y'all got to speak up. Y'all got to, you know, y'all got to be heard. Y'all got to see what it's like for men when they trying to shoot their shot all the time and leave on red and, you know. We're good. We're good. But I left on red. Like, people leave me on red. Can you believe they do oh, me crazy? Really? Okay. They be crazy out here, man. All right. So now we know. I done gave y'all all the info you need. You're welcome. Do what you got to do. He said, shoot your shot. So shoot it. All right. So we know what's up next for you. Also, I love your Christmas movie on Hallmark because I'm obsessed with Hallmark Christmas movies. Are you going to do another one? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I okay. think they would like me to do one. Uh, I just think right now I would love to do one, but it, but I need, I, I would need to make sure that I have the right representation on screen. One of the reasons I did Hallmark is because they, they don't have a lot of black leads in their films. I know. And so being a part of that, me and the other, the other lead that was in it, uh, Chaley Rose. Yes. Um, I, I, had, I had a great experience filming the, filming the movie with the people that I work with in Vancouver. Uh, but my experience with Hallmark was that they really tried to um, capsize my, my individuality and they really wanted to put me in a box to portray uh this kind of representation of a black man that I really was trying to go against right and so you know I would go I would go in and I would say things a certain way and then Hallmark would be like well um you might saying it like this or like that and, and that kind of thing creatively it, it don't sit right with me so right. um 
I put as much as I could. If you saw the film, I definitely put try to put myself in as much as I could. But uh, but it's they still kept me in a box, and I feel like until they're ready to really step out and give this representation of who Black people are, yeah, you know, I I don't know if I want to do another one. That's interesting. That's very. I notice it, but then again, I just chalk it up to it being Hallmark, and they're very. Yeah, they got a platform, and it's very conservative. But at the same time, yeah. like you got to adapt to the times, man. I agree. And there's a lot of people who are not going to be okay with it. Right. But that that is the the reason you have to you have to make a stance. You know, you have to pick a position. Right. And even when I did the films, there was a lot of people who who are Hallmark fans that didn't like my movie. You know, they they don't they don't like to see you know black representation in that space. Um, and and so it, it's going to take the network to be. Um, you know, proactive and yeah. saying, this is also a real representation. Right. And do, do it anyway. Yeah. Do it anyway. And, and until they reach, until they do that, they're going to always be considered just Hallmark. And that's just what it is. And that's just the consensus. People say, oh, I just thought it was just, you know, it's just Hallmark. But what does that mean exactly though? It's Hallmark. But, it, but what you're telling me basically is that they have a specific skewed view on representation yeah. and that people are just okay with it just because they like the, the movies and they feel good and make you feel happy. But uh, and like I said, it, I'm, I'm ready for them to step it up. You know, I feel like they can do it. Love it. All right. So everything's up in the air, movie and movie and TV wise, but singing career song is bomb. It's getting added to my playlist. Hey, that feeling up. like playlist. You know, like when you're getting ready for. You know what I'm whatever. saying, make put that put that on when you're doing your makeup. Like you know, I want I want to make the makeup playlist. Wait, I feel how like- you know? Wait a minute. How you know about the makeup playlist? <laughs> put me on the makeup playlist. I don't care about no. <laughs> Man, How do you listen, know about that? I, I I just know. I know y'all be getting ready. Y'all put the playlist on. Y'all don't even be thinking about much. Y'all just be in, in, in you know, autopilot. Y'all be doing y'all think You know exactly what you're doing. You don't think about it. And, I, you know, I feel like during the moments, if, if I can allow my, my song to be played and it won't, and it won't deter you from what you're doing, I feel like it, I've done it right. Oh, no, so, it gets you ready for, to do some things that you're getting your makeup done for. Yeah, That's exactly. why it's on that put playlist. Me on. Put me on. Put me yeah. on that makeup yeah. playlist. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for doing this. Is there any last words? Anything you want to say to the fans out there? Um, be safe, you know. Um, yeah. Silence is compliance. I, I urge any any white listener that's watching this, is this, is this going to be a video or it's going to be on? Both, but Both. it's the podcast and then we have like video snippets for promo. What the hell? <laughs> I don't know what that was. Um, anyway, so what I would urge listeners and people who don't know who I am, um, <laughs> don't worry about me. Okay. If you take anything from this interview is, is to ask yourself these, you know, two or three questions. Um, do you know what's going on in the world? Uh, do you care? Does it affect you personally? You know, and I think that what that does is just, it holds you accountable, and I think individually, what people have to start doing is hold their family accountable oh. and lack of awareness of what's going on and their, you know, specific viewpoints right. on racism. Y'all got to call y'all family out. Um, y'all got to break the cycle, you know, it's, and especially for our, our, our white people out there, our allies, that if you call yourself an ally does not mean just posting Black Tuesday, you know what I mean, posting that Black picture on your page and then going on about your day. Um, it is it is a, a considered effort. Like, you have to... It, it, it is an ongoing fight if you're going to be a part of this. It, it, you can't pick it up and put it down. Um, and what that means is throughout your daily life, when you notice things, shit is happening around you, uh, you have to call it out. And, and that means that you have to be uncomfortable. And, yeah. and in order to be great and be and progress in any way, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, and, and you have to be able to live in that space. So I just, I urge the listeners out there who, who, who are not really privy to what's happening to, 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 to at least go watch the video of George Floyd. You need to know what's happening in your, in your world, you know, um, and, you know, just be proactive and, and, and ask your black friends, ask, ask them what their experience is like, you know. You know they all got that one black friend. So ask, ask, them what, them. ask them what their day is like. That's the simplest way you could do. How's your day? If they say good, I'm like, no, what, ha- what did you do today? What happened? And I promise you, you'll start to notice the differences and experiences. Uh, yeah. A lot of people think we have the same experiences. We don't. Mm-hmm. We don't. Um, and it, just be aware. Awareness is the very least that you could do. Right. I love it. Love it all. Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. And oh. I'm like happy for you. You 
branching out, doing you. I'm trying to be great, you know. <laughs> You're getting there. Don't worry. Thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your day. Try to relax, relate, release when you can. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Right. I appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.